You're listening to the Pure Desire Podcast, your safe place to find hope, healing, and freedom from sexual addiction, betrayal, and relationship issues. What is up, people? I'm your host, Trevor Windsor, and you're listening to episode 213 of the Pure Desire Podcast. Here joining me, as always, is my co-host, Nick Stumbo. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Josh McDowell. Or Superman. So, listener, today we had the one and only, because there's no one else like him, Josh McDowell, to talk about, like, yes, you heard me right, Josh McDowell, like the Josh McDowell, like wrote a bunch of books, apologist. Like hun- in the hundreds, like I think, books. Like ministry named after you, <laughs> Josh McDowell. Uh, and we had him on today to talk about just pornography, the effects of pornography, and how to battle it. Yeah. You know, the first time I met Josh McDowell was when he came out for our Legacy of Honor event um, celebrating Ted and Diane Roberts a number of years ago, and he had on a giant Superman belt buckle. I will never forget it. Which I just thought was fantastic. And and he really is, you know, I I think in terms of being an an apologist of the faith, someone that's really, um, for decades, uh, been someone that interprets culture and helps uh, culture find Christ and Christians understand how to live in culture in a way that honors Christ. And so... We're excited about today's episode because he really has, over the last decade or so, turned a lot of his ministry focus and attention towards what's happening in our world with pornography, and we get to talk about that today. And he's, you know, for anyone who uh, knows Josh McDowell and has read his books, he is a straight shooter, and he calls it like it is, and it's compelling, it's convicting, it's at time uh, hard to hear. But I think when we wrestle through, well, why was that hard to hear? It's because it gets into our natural defenses and the things that we don't want to deal with. But I really think that's what I've seen Josh McDowell's call on his life has been in his ministry is like to call us into things that we need to face because they're important and they're valuable. And so my guess is for you, the listener, at some point today's episode, Josh is going to say something you kind of go, oh, wait a minute, but reflect on it, deal with it. And I I think we're going to see there's some truths here we need to hear and and really, it's encouraging just to have the voice like his added to yeah. uh, this journey that we're all on together. Yeah. And I mean, he interrupts us, butts in. It just, it was a really fun time and a really good time with Josh McDowell. So uh, before we get into it, though, subscribe to the podcast if you hadn't. We're on all the major platforms. Follow us on social media at Pure Desire PDMI. Also, this episode will be with others. Uh, full episode up on YouTube. And then lastly, we just want to remind people again, we're trying to do this rhythm where we're just reminding people there is a way to get involved with Pure Desire and to help be a part of the team. And we have coined that or called that Team 58. Yeah. You know, you really will hear it in today's episode that there is a tide of sexual brokenness that is just breaking across our culture and our world. And, you know, we ask the question, like, how do we stand against that? And I I think of these images where there's these giant waves coming in. You know, there's a single tree that's standing alone. Like, it just gets devastated. Yeah. But it's when we come together and when we're we're strengthened and doing this as a team that I really think we can change that tide. We can make a difference. And so the the Team 58 name comes from Isaiah 58. And Isaiah's prophecy is about how our salvation will break forth, our healing will come quickly Mm -hmm. like the dawn, and we will become known as those who rebuild the broken cities, who restore the fallen walls. And and I think about the imagery of that's what pure desire is about. And and we want to do that together, that, Mm -hmm. that we are helping families rebuild their lives. We're helping men and women restore their freedom. And when we partner financially, we're all a part of that. And we're standing together against this tide. And Lord willing, 
it will create a shift. And yeah. so it, it starts by uh, more and more people just jumping in and saying, I want to be yep. engaged in a ministry that's making that kind of difference in the world, and I'm a part of it. And so uh, when you join Team 58, we've got some some gifts for you, some ways to say, hey, you're on the team. Yep. Welcome. Here's your hat. Here's your shirt. And let's do this together. Yeah. So if you want to join Team 58 and be really on the team that's changing the tide of sexual brokenness in the world, go to puredesire.org slash give. And here it is, people, our conversation with the one and only Josh McDowell. All right, we have the one and only Josh McDowell on the podcast. Welcome, Josh. Thanks for being with us. Hey, I couldn't turn down the honorarium. <laughs> it's pretty high here at it Pure Desire. Hefty. I mean, I our know. guests, whew, they're living the high life. Oh my gosh, we're paying him in heavenly jewels and diamonds and crowns and all that. Um, well, Josh, we have been connected to you through our friend Ben Bennett. Uh, you came and spoke uh, at... Um, our Legacy of Honor event a few years ago for Dr. Ted and Diane. And uh, yes. we are obviously big fans of you and the work that you're doing, but we wanted to have you on and really talk about pornography, what's happening today. You've been putting a lot of your time and energy toward it. And so, um, I mean, in that in that line of thinking, with the energy and the time you've been putting into researching pornography, can you just give our listeners a little bit of understanding why is that? What drew you to it and what has kept you pushing forward in the research? What drew it to me first was a number of years ago, I'd say 10, 12 years ago now or more, in studying culture, because I need to study culture and know how to hone my messages. And I kept seeing there's something wrong, especially among young people, just something not there. Normally, I can put my finger right on the problem, but I couldn't. This, it took me over a year. And I remember telling Dottie one time I came home, I said, I now know what it is. And she said, what is it? I said, pervasive internet pornography. Mm. Uh, something I noticed was that when people start watching pornography, especially young people more than older, the source of their authority starts to erode. Uh, the Bible, scripture, church, their pastor, their parents, Jesus, it all starts to erode. Mm. And that's what I was noticing. And I tied it directly to uh, pornography. But look, when you start doing your research and you double check it, because you can't believe the stats. I mean, I just, it's hard to believe them, but I know they're accurate. Where 70% of evangelical men monthly pursue pornography in the internet. 38% of evangelical men Young people and older um, daily pursue wow. pornography in the internet. When 57% of evangelical pastors do, um, when 50, 48% of Christian women do, um, when you realize there's 26 million pornographic websites, one click away wow there's over 2.8 probably now about 3 billion pornographic web pages just one click away yeah you realize that we got a problem the church has a problem and i kept wondering why aren't pastors and christian leaders addressing these issues and what I concluded, it's sad, is that so many of them are involved, they won't address the issue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
many are afraid to talk about it, feeling they'll be exposed. Uh, I almost think a greeting today. <laughs> I wish everyone that ever greets me would look me in the eye and say, hi, Josh, how you doing? Do you, are you watching pornography? I almost think that ought to be a natural <laughs> greeting. <laughs> and I do that to quite a few Christian. I don't call people Christian leaders, Christian influencers. Yeah. And some of them really get upset. But I've had a number, when I say a number, four or five do this. This one fellow, it was at Colorado State University, a big Christian conference. And uh, I met this other speaker and everything. We hadn't seen each other for a while. Hugged, and I looked him right in the eye. And I said, do you watch pornography? Oh, he got upset, really dressed me down in front of everyone, everything, and walked away. Two months later. We pass each other in a hallway at another conference, and he stops. And he says, I owe you an apology. Mm. He said, how did you know? I had no idea what he was talking about. I said, how did I know what? <laughs> that I was watching porn. I said, I didn't. But mm. it's out of the bag right now with a guy you don't want to have know it. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, I've had four or five, maybe six people say things like that, Christian influencers. And so with all of that, you've got to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise you're, um, you're playing at ministry. Yeah. Yeah. The, the stats are really phenomenal right now. And I mean, and a lot of them are coming from work you're doing and, and research that you're a part of. And, and we're so appreciative of that yes. at Pure Desire that we get to be in a sense, a beneficiary of, of helping people understand the pervasiveness of this problem. And I think what you identified about one click. I want to, I want to inter interrupt here. Go, go for it. If anyone understands the problem, it's pure desire. Yeah. If anyone out here understands some of the key solutions, it's pure desire. Uh, you guys are one of the better organizations on the face of the earth. Wow. And uh, uh, I almost ought to be interviewing you instead <laughs> of you interviewing me. Well, hey, you uh, let us know yep. when you want us on your podcast. Absolutely. We'll be there. We'll come to the or conference. Just, just, or just let take us know. our podcast. You can just have it. Take it. Yeah, I don't have a, I don't have a broadcast. Uh, I do have a podcast, but I do it a little differently. Yeah. Yeah. So you were saying, go ahead. Well, yeah, I was just saying that the point you made about it being one click away. I mean, we're talking millions of websites, billions of pictures and images and videos that are out there. And I've often thought about it like if, if someone in their kitchen pantry, you open your pantry door and there is every food known to man is just one, one arm's length away. I could reach out and grab any food in the world. You know, 99% of the time I might make wise choices, get apples, bread, you know, things I should be eating. But if I can pick absolutely anything that's that easy, I'm going to eat candy bars and junk and because it's right there. <laughs> that's right. Now, if I have to go to a store and find a special place to get a certain food, I'm less likely to consume it. But that's kind of where we're at with internet pornography, mm -hmm. that it, one click away, you can be anywhere you want. And in so many ways, the human brain and the human spirit isn't we're not ready for that level of how do we deal with our own yeah. impulsivity because yeah. we're all impulsive to some degree, right? One of, the, one of the biggest phrases I hear from parents and they don't realize it. They don't in the background realize it, but it's the dumbest, stupidest phrase you could ever say. I'll be talking about kids and pornography and all and said, Josh, I know it's a big problem and everything, but you don't know my kids. My kids are good kids. My kids aren't going to, uh, 
go pursue pornography and look for it in the internet and everything. Uh, they're good kids. And I, I just kind of shake my head and want to say, how irrelevant or un unattached can yep. you be to your own children? Your children probably are good children. Yeah. They probably won't go out looking for pornography in the internet, but you missed the point, lady. Pornography is looking for them yeah, absolutely. and absolutely will find them. Yep. The best kids, the good kids, the excellent kids. Mm -hmm. Pornography will find them. It's everywhere. Uh, but that's the number one thing I hear from parents. Um, there was up in, uh, was it Oregon? Or was it Oregon? Yeah, it was Oregon. This, this lady was telling me that, well, you know, that's why when our kids were real young, we moved to a, a large farm we bought. And way out in nowhere. And um, so it protect our children. And so we don't have that problem, our kids. And I'm thinking, hmm. Well, later, I get a call from the mother for help. Hmm. And found out her kids, with some of the neighbor kids on another farm quite a ways away, introduced them to pornography. And they were watching it constantly. Yeah. Wow. And here are these parents for years thought, right. our kids are good kids. We don't have that problem. They're not watching it. They would never pursue it. Pornography found them yeah. through neighbors. Yep. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, we sometimes get the same response from churches. They're like, mm -hmm. well, not in my church. We have a good church and we, we preach the Bible here. And yet we, we kind of ignore human nature that we are, we're prone to wander. And if we're not taking seriously our, our own capacity to get into trouble when it's just a click away, I think we've we've greatly misunderstood the problem. So, Josh, you know your well, your background I is. Think, oh, go ahead. Wait, I don't want to go beyond the pasture. Any pastor listening, listen to this. When I hear a pastor say that, we don't have that problem in our church, etc. From experience, I'm pretty well convinced their church is worse than most <laughs> churches yeah. with pornography. Why? There's some denial. That's right. They're not aware of it. They're not looking for it. And they're not seeing it, but it's there. And when they say we don't have that problem, etc., usually not all the time, but I'm convinced majority of the time they're worse off than other churches. Yeah. When pastors make statements like that. You were saying again, I keep yeah. interrupting you, yeah. but no, I love to interrupt. Hey, this is like a conversation. If, if we were sitting around at Starbucks, we'd, we'd want yes, you to interrupt us absolutely. and interject your thoughts and ideas. And I, I was just going to ask, you know, with your background being in apologetics and understanding culture and, you know, such great teaching and preaching in the church, as, as you've shifted so much of your focus to understanding our culture and what's happening with pornography, are there any things in the last 10, 12 years with this focus that is, has surprised you? was different than you expected that as you've really gotten into it, that you just, you didn't expect you were going to find what, what has been surprising to you in this journey? Probably two things that I didn't expect when I first started looking into it, that's happened over time. One, I didn't expect it to go younger and younger mm. and younger. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I'm convinced now the average age is about four to five years old. It used to be 10 to 11, then nine to 10, then eight to nine, then seven to eight, six. To, now I believe it's five to six years of age. 
So that surprised me. Breaks my heart, too. Oh, yeah. But second, I didn't know that pornography could go darker and darker and darker. Hmm. I think it's kind of the law of diminishing return. Yep. Is that to hold their audience, to make the money and all, they've got to go darker and darker and more, more revealing dynamic. Yeah than they have to, uh, say, a few years ago. And those two things really surprised me. Hmm. And then probably the other surprise is how many parents are not aware of it. Yeah, I mean, they're not hearing it in church. Uh, but I would say to any parent, it's probably a good chance your children watch pornography. Hmm. I'm not saying they absolutely do. But stats out there shows it's a good percentage from some of the best families your kids have seen and are seeing pornography. Yeah. Those all really surprised me. That's that's the stuff that scares me to death. <laughs> I mean, I spent, you know. Well, yeah, you put those two things together, well, getting younger and younger and darker it, and darker, like together. That's, to, that's well, frightening. And I have, I have a four-year-old, like he will turn five in February. And if that's the average age, then like, I mean, God help me and my wife. Like, you know, for me, I had so many years of an addiction and have found freedom and that's great. But like my freedom doesn't mean he won't ever be exposed. My, my two sons that's right. are going to be exposed to pornography and that is terrifying. And um, yeah, and that, I mean, that's just, that is a very sobering reality that I think, and that's just the thing, like, we're not having all these sex and sexuality conversations um, right now with our four-year-old, but we do talk about body parts. We do talk about, um, do you show other people these body parts? Like, do you, you know, playfully put this body part in your brother's face when he, you know, you guys are in the bath? Like, no, you know, things like that, where we're trying to normalize conversation about the the body and, you know, sexual organs. I but commend then, you. I commend you for mm -hmm. that. You've got to start by four years old. Yeah. And, and even bring in a little bit, you can bring in a little porn there, just a little bit, um, that, you know, there's things on TV and the internet yeah. that son, daughter are just not good. Yeah. They can ruin you ever having what mom and dad have. Yeah. And, uh, but the thing is, and I know you do it, is parents always constantly reinforce you can always come to me. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Always come to me. And I say to parents, so somebody comes to you and they share something like this. Mommy, I was watching TV and this came on TV. Mm -hmm. um, praise them for it. I yeah. mean, praise the child. Yeah. Hug them, express appreciation for their honesty. Even take them out for ice cream right. or something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, that's right. And reward them for that. Yeah. Uh, but I admire you Thanks. doing that with your four-year-old. Yeah. I almost think you start preparing them for pornography at birth. Hmm. People say, oh, come on. No, I'm serious. When, when you're giving them a bath, changing their diapers, whatever, just saying, and you're doing this with the body parts saying, isn't God wonderful? Mm. He just created you so beautiful, so yeah. wonderful. Then a little later, a little yeah. bit older, a few months. Yeah. Isn't God wonderful? 
how he created your body mm. as a little boy, as a little girl later on. Isn't God wonderful how he raised he creates little boys with penises and little girls with vaginas. Isn't God wonderful? Yeah. yeah, right. And right at birth, building in, they don't understand it all. Mm -mm. Yeah. But they'll catch the attitude. Yeah. They will catch the yeah. attitude. That's good. Oh, yeah. And their brain is something learning. Wonderful yeah. and positive. Yeah. And when they think something's wonderful and positive, they're more prone to talk to mom and dad about it. Totally. Mm. But That's so good. with your children yeah. your age, one of the best things you can do is have honest, open conversations. Yeah. And I say to men, listen to the mother. I, as a man, I, you can, most people are afraid of sharing too much too early. Yeah. That's not the problem. Almost always the problem is too little, too late. <laughs> yes. Yeah, totally. almost 95% of the time is a problem. Yeah. But I listen to my wife because my wife could temper how open and, and descriptive I am at the different ages of my children. And so I say to men, listen to your wife. Mm. Uh, it, it's, it's probably the best counsel you can get on talking to your children about sexual issues. Yeah. So Josh, you've talked about these trends that you've seen that are really scary. Um, what are you seeing in the future of pornography? Kind of, you know, put your um, visionary hat on, like you're, you know, you're a prophet. Like what's coming in the future of pornography that we need to be aware of? Well, the biggest thing is it's going to become more and more and more normalized mm. and accepted. And it breaks my heart, even in the church. And I think with that, you're going to see a significant increase in sex abuse and sex trafficking. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Because yeah. they're directly related to porn, mm -hmm. directly related to porn, sex trafficking and sex abuse. And you're going to see more and more of it younger and younger and younger. Mm -hmm. You know, when I, I think of the normalization of pornography, you know, I, I remember when I was growing up, you know, one of the defenses I think that Christian families had is like, well, it's, you know, it, it will never be on, you know, public TV and we've got decency laws. And, mm -hmm. and that was maybe a hope that we had. But now you look what's happened with the way people access their television and their movies. Yeah. Everything now, you know, very rarely are we just going to our public television stations or NBC and watching. Yeah. Uh, the content. I mean, sometimes we do, but it, everything is streaming. Everything yeah. is, you know, these uh, package purchases, and and because of that, the the rules are different. Yeah. There there can be nudity, and I think we're seeing in what are being presented as just kind of normal sitcoms or yeah. normal shows, the level of sexual content because it's now not just you know a public TV channel it, is going way way up, and and so that's just one of those areas we see. In a normal television show, the normalization of really a pornified culture. One thing too, I would a teenager, say... a teenager, a child cannot walk into a store and buy a porn magazine, mm -hmm. but they can turn on their TV, turn on their internet, and surface it. Yeah, yeah. They can't go on. They can't buy a, a beer, a pack of cigarettes, or anything, but they can go yeah. and surf the web for pornography. Yeah. And no one is stopping them. 
I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No. That's the fourth time I've interrupted <laughs> you all. We'll just keep track. It'll be great. Um, we'll just deduct it from the honorarium. Um, but we... Uh, well, it's already gone, the honorarium. <laughs> Um, one of the things I've picked up on, um, we have a Disney Plus subscription, and one of the things I've picked up on, you know, we're recording this at the tail end of June, Pride Month, and so for them, I see a lot of um, of these on my kit on the kids profile on the Disney Plus these um, these movies and these TV shows that are celebrating um, and platforming homosexuality, and. Um, you know, I know different people can land on different places when it comes to if that's okay culturally or, or not. But what I've noticed is that there is this elevation of sexual identity. And so even mm. this inadvertent message is getting preached to all of these kids and all these people who are watching it, that sexuality is um, a very important thing to be celebrated. And then also just understand, like, I can't just have my sons, I can't just tell them, hey, yeah, go watch Disney+. Plus. Like, you know, and I'll go check out in the other room. Like even my son watches Dude Perfect videos on YouTube, Christian guys who do all these trick shots. There are ads on YouTube all the time. And so I can't, there's this, I can't check out anymore. I'm just realizing there's so many of these um, submerged messages that find their ways to the surface. Yeah. Yeah. Parents have to stay engaged. There's a great price to pay when a nation does not protect its children. When those children grow up, the nation will pay a great price. Yeah, wow. And it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, the, um, it's too bad we don't have more control over it. Yeah. yeah. But some people could care less. Yeah, yeah. obviously. Yeah. So, Josh, but what, here again, yeah. the biggest thing is a relationship with mom and dad. Yeah. So, talk about that. What more? You know, you already talked about how important it is in the home that, like, a culture where kids can come to mom and dad with anything, but what else in this? I mean, cause I'm thinking of the parents that are listening to this. We're probably terrifying them. Uh, sorry, mom and dad, but we're here to help. We're, we're helping you. What else would you say to those parents? Like what could they be doing to proactively build health, resilience, truth, uh, you know, just to, to handle this well, what don't could parents give be your doing? Child, don't give your child a porn shop. In other words, a cell phone. Mm. Gosh, I see kids, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, with their own cell phone. Well, I say to parents, and you're the cause of it, if you give your child at those ages, permit them to have a cell phone, you're asking for it. Mm. And their addiction would be because of you, not so much because of porn. Uh, But, you know, you're a parent. All your, your children's friends all have cell phones and everything. And the pressure is great. Mm-hmm. And I'll say this. If you do not build a loving, intimate, close relationship with your children, you're going to have problems. Here's the phrases I use. Rules without relationships leads to rebellion. Kids don't respond to rules. They respond to rules in a context of a loving, intimate relationship. Mm-hmm. Truth, the truth of the gospel, the truth about porn, whatever. Truth without relationships leads to rejection. Mm. And put it this way, talking about a cell phone, having a cell phone without relationship leads to a war. Um, Most parents give in to a cell phone because they don't want to battle, Mm. which means they haven't built 
a really close, loving, responsive relationship with their child. Yeah. Uh, people say to me, uh, when my children, I have three daughters and a son, they were growing up, and we'd talk about who our kids are going to marry. I said, well, you know, you don't have a lot of say-so in it. I said, yes, I do. And I did. My children, if they were thinking of marrying someone and they knew their daddy disapproved of it, I do not think my children go ahead and marry them. Mm. I don't. Yeah. Because of the relationship that I have with my children. And now they have with my 11 grandchildren. Mm is that I had a lot of influence over my kids' choices of who they were going to marry. And often, say, if the situation came up where I disagreed, it didn't mean that maybe my daughter and my son wouldn't marry that person, but I'll guarantee you this, they'd, get, they'd give it a little more time and really check it out. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, I think... And it all comes out of a relationship. Yeah. 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 And that, discipline. I, mean, I would never yeah. dream of disciplining a child that didn't know I absolutely loved him. Yeah. Because discipline without a relationship leads to bitterness, anger, and resentment. Yeah. Yeah. And what, I mean, we have the perfect example in our Heavenly Father. He had a lot of rules and regulations. He demands holiness, but it's all stemmed from a relationship, a redemptive pursuit of us and a relationship of us, which is so... I Like, as I'm listening to you, Josh, it, it like... A parent has zero excuse today to be passive when it comes to their kids and pornography, like in any mm -hmm. area, but specifically in this one that, and I, I love the accountability, even in what you're saying, that if you give your kid a phone, you are a part of that problem. You are a cause to that, which is really like, even as I heard you say that, I'm like, excuse me. Like there's that pride in me that wants to flare up and like fight back. But at the same time, you are talking about someone who's being active in their setting up their kids for future success in their life. If I care enough about my son, I'm going to put rules inside of the context of a loving relationship, regulations, rhythms for my kids so that that will set them up for future benefit. And that like that is loving. And I think we see the example in God. That's, that's the mm -hmm. way that he interacts yeah. with us. And even when your child gets older, you allow them to have a cell phone You've got to use every piece. What do you call it out there that you put in the cell phone to protect them? What do you call that? Yeah, either accountability software or. Yeah, accountability filters. software. Yeah. I would use everything out there uh, to do that. Hmm. And there's some accountability software now that picks up the screen image, yeah. not the source. Yeah. And uh, I would have that on every phone if my child didn't like it. Well, they wouldn't have it. Yeah, Covenant or if I found that. out they found a way around it and uh, dislodged it or something, that'd be the last time they'd have a cell phone in their possession in a long time. Yeah. Um, parents got to be more involved now than ever before because of the internet. Yeah. But at the same time, the internet is so wonderful. I mean, yeah. there's so many good things on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Like we Look at your... Yeah. Your iPod, your iPad, uh, your cell phone, everything that it can communicate over the internet with. Right. Yeah. Uh, positive message about Christ, family, everything. Yeah. Uh, yep. I, I mean, well, we could go ahead. 
we couldn't do this spiritual yeah. bucket list item of talking to you right now on our podcast if it wasn't for the yeah. internet right now. So, yeah. And I, I think that's what we're trying to say as a ministry. Like mm-hmm. the goal, just what you were talking about, Josh, the, the family that moves to the woods and the, the farm and like, we're going to get away from it all. Like it's, it's not possible in our world to avoid these things. What we need is engaged parents, engaged families, yeah. uh, moms and dads that are engaged in healthy community with other moms and dads and men and women and are, are able to face this with wisdom and discernment and, and godly accountability in their life through friendship. And it's not about avoidance anymore. And so it's learning to face these pressures and, and challenges with a whole lot more godly wisdom maybe than was needed 50 years ago, but yeah. it's, it's necessary now. And so, Josh, let's go back to the leader. And I know you have a heart for pastors. You have a heart for people in ministry. And you were talking about you know their level of struggle. I'm curious for you to respond to this. Do you think... Um, are there particular reasons why leaders may be susceptible to struggling with pornography and sexual brokenness beyond, you know, the average person? Yeah. Or is it just that they are the average person in ministry and so they struggle like the average person? Why why do we see so many Christian leaders or influencers like you said struggling with their sexuality? It's probably about the same percentage as the world around. Hmm. It's just that pastors whether man or woman, Christian leaders they're all human. They all got a sex. Uh, I don't like to call it a sex drive, uh, a sex desire Mm -hmm. and all. And many pastors, it's easy to feel, well, I deserve it. Hmm. Here I'm pouring my life into so many people and everything. I deserve it. And then the problem with pastors and with anyone else, If you do not have a loving, intimate, exciting marriage and sex life with your spouse, you're vulnerable. I don't think anyone like that should be a pastor. Hmm. Boy, that's, I mean, probably some people just hung up. (laughs) But uh, somebody that's in front of people, in leadership, influencing If they do not have an exciting love, marriage, and sexual relationship at home, Mm -hmm. they are vulnerable publicly. They're vulnerable. And uh, I think deacons and elders need to be a little more observant. Mm. Um, You look at, now I got to be careful saying this because I don't know all the facts. But I look at the situation with my dear brother, Ravi Zacharias. Yeah, that was a hard one. Where was his board? Mm. Where were the men and women around him? Now, I got to be careful because they could be doing everything they could have and still missed it. That's right. Yep. Uh, And I got to think that's probably what happened because I don't know who was on his board or anything, but I'm sure they were good people. But Robbie was personality A, Mm -hmm. and uh, he could sell a milking machine to a farmer that had one cow (laughs) and take the cow's down payment for the milking machines. (laughs) Um, If somebody would ask me, who's the one person in the world that would be the last person that would happen to? Mm. I would have answered Robbie Zacharias and myself. Wow. And yet with all, I mean, I take so many precautions. It's almost hilarious. I couldn't carry on a 
uh, an affair with with uh, my cell phone, no matter how smart I was technically. Uh, so many people see everything that goes and comes in through and by my cell phone. Yeah. And um, yet, knowing if it can happen to someone like Robbie, it can happen to anyone. Yeah. Anyone. And uh, hmm. I was gutted when I heard about it. But then I really became so much more aware of how careful I need to be. Yeah in everything but the key is a relationship with your spouse mm. a relationship with your spouse yeah and i would tell pastors if you don't have a loving exciting marriage and i mean sex life that's spiritual mm. um you know the bible says uh let her breast satisfy you and enjoy in Proverbs and let sex be incredible. Um, that must be my loose version of what it says, <laughs> but it's very straightforward. That's right. Um, and so I would say if you're a pastor and hurting, get counsel. Yeah, that's right. Get counsel. And there's an organization that. I support, not in a big way, as I don't have a lot of money, but I support when I can. It's called Care for Pastors. And I think they're in Florida and might have a place in Colorado, too, where pastors can go with their spouse. And everything I've studied on, and those I've talked that have gone through it, it's powerful. Care for pastors. And uh, boards should be sensitive. They see things in their pastor's life and know the board should take the step and send them to a place like care for pastors and let the board, the church pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. Invest in your pastor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, make sure your pastor has time off. Yeah. Sex life. Make sure your pastor takes a vacation. Everything. Mm -hmm. that's the responsibility of the board and i think the majority of church boards are negligent i really do mm. not all of them yeah but so many are yeah hold the pastor to the grindstone yeah well i love it you know on this podcast we're calling out parents we're calling out pastors we're calling out boards like yeah <laughs> i just i love the challenges josh and, and that emphasis of we in this area yeah. we're just we're really suffering from a lack of awareness. So when it comes to Christian leaders and pastors, a lot of times we assume like, well, they need to work on that marriage thing on their own. That's not really a church issue. That's not really a leadership issue. And that's yeah. that's really the wrong approach that we've got to see our pastors and leaders as real people. Mm -hmm. And we have to be just as engaged with, hey, how are you doing in your relationships as we are, how are you doing in your theology and your leadership of our church? Because that part of their life has more danger of tripping them up probably than their theology or their church leadership That's ever right. will. And so we've and got to help. Their, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Cancel their theology. I would say to any pastor or to a board, if your pastor is struggling in some of those areas and the board suggests counseling and where, and they'll pay for it. And the pastor says, no, then I would say you won't give the sermon next Sunday. Mm. Yeah, I wouldn't let a man like that 
step into the pulpit. Yeah. It's too dangerous, too dangerous. Yeah. And, uh, and very dangerous to counsel. Yeah. It's just, yeah. And it, I mean, Nick and I have been pastors, um, before our time here at Pure Desire. Um, and it is a, it's very easy to slip into isolation. It can be an isolating and feel like an island. Um, and I know for me, when I was in that, it, I realized it didn't have to be like it, it can be that there's this culture or there's this, you know, oftentimes in churches, you can have this, the pastor is the professional Christian and needs to have it all together. And that causes fear. If I'm honest and I share with my board it could, or it kill my income, right? It absolutely. And my ministry and my platform and fill in the blank. And I think that, um, I know for me, as someone who is no longer functioning as a pastor, if I had my pastor come to me and say, well, here are some of the things I'm struggling with, and just is, is real and wants to have that know, know and be known type of relationship, um, I mean, I'm at the place now where like, thank you. I understand how difficult it is to do that. And so I think that that's one thing for leaders, just in my experience, limited experience. I haven't been a pastor for 40 years. Like, I don't know what that's like, but I do know that if you're real and you're able to invite people in to actually know who you are and know what you're going through in your life outside of your marriage, outside of your board, like how does how do you have real friends who know what's going on in your life? I think that can also be super helpful when it comes to this. One thing that my wife and I have done, not a lot, I would say four or five times, is when we meet a pastor who's really struggling in these areas. And often once they get to know you, they'll open up. Mm-hmm. If you're a person of trust and uh, not a gossip and I suggest counseling and I tell them, I will find a counselor for you. I have my secretary. Then my administrative assistant will call various counselors in the area of that pastor Mm -hmm. and interview them. (laughs) And most of them have never had somebody call them to be a potential client and interview them. And then we would call maybe three or four counselors and narrow down to one. And then we'd tell the pastor, the Christian influencer, that we will pay for the first two or the first three counseling sessions. Mm. But after that, you need to, because if they don't, it won't be worth it to them. Yeah. Right, totally. But uh, maybe one out of 10 never accepts your, your um, wow. offer. Wow. Yeah. Just if there's a pastor listening who's caught in that, um, maybe it's a pornography addiction, binge purge relationship, sexual brokenness of any level. What encouragement do you have for that pastor as they listen today? There's hope. Hmm. There's answers. There's solutions and there's victory. Uh, I could write a whole book on that. I would say to the pastor, don't, don't carry the load alone. Uh, hundred and some times in the Bible, it says one another, each other, comfort one another, encourage one another, um, love one another, serve one another, help one another, everything. And what I would say to a pastor, and I said this to a number, is there another pastor that you respect, that you feel you could share with? Share it with a peer. Share it with another pastor. And then seek counseling in your area. Seek counseling in your area. Uh, Because if you do not share it, it'll destroy you. And if you do not seek counseling, 
it will destroy you. So those two things Hmm. and a big step is sharing it with your spouse. Yeah. If it's you as a wife, sharing it with your husband. If it's you as a husband, sharing it with your wife. And just pray that you have the kind of marriage, relationship, and love that will walk, you can walk through it together. Mm-hmm. And I think most marriages will hold up to that. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I would have, I would say to any pastor. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we've seen that, Josh. They, when someone is sincere, about change and they want to do the right thing, their honesty can't, I mean, as hard as it will be, it, it can really create a new future for that marriage. So uh, Josh, you did write a book on this. You and Ben Bennett uh, are releasing a book that's coming out in a few weeks called Free to Thrive. As we yep. wrap up today, tell our listeners about the book and uh, what they can expect from it. Both Ben and I noticed over the years that so many believers, leaders, etc are not thriving in their walk with Christ. Mm. And it's almost always because of a hidden secret or something in their lives that they haven't dealt with and holding back. And a lot of that takes place, we learn, because people didn't know how to deal with some of those things in their lives. So we did a book, Free to Thrive, that when a person starts going through this book, you cannot read it and not know how to thrive in your walk with Christ. But you still got a will. You got to mm, choose to yep, do it. Totally. But if somebody chooses to do it, I believe the book could be one of the first resources to turn to. Mm-hmm. Free to thrive. And um, thank you for bringing that up because it's so on my heart to. Um, get more and more believers, parents, everything thriving in their walk with Christ. Yeah. Well, we are big fans of you. We are big fans of Ben Bennett, and we know the resource is great. I mean, I have a copy of it on my desk right now that I've been flipping through, and I'm really, really excited uh, to see all the impact it's going to have. If I get a tattoo, will you love me more? Absolutely. 100%. (laughs) (laughs) But I think Ben Bennett would love you more. That's for sure. That's for sure. He'd be so proud. Ben has enough tattoos. I don't know. I don't need to add one. (laughs) That's true. That is true. Uh, Josh, Josh, thank you so much just for your time. And I'm, I mean, you probably hear this a lot, but your ministry and one of the things that I've picked up on, um, is over just the, the breadth of your career, you continue to just push forward and learn more and lean in and try to find more and more ways to help people. And that's just a beautiful thing and is so encouraging. And we just appreciate you. What else is there? What else is there in life? Absolutely. This is it. You don't outgrow serving people. You don't outgrow having compassion for people. You don't outgrow helping others. Absolutely. To know Christ, to thrive in Christ now. It just gets more fun as you get older. (laughs) All right. I like that. That's awesome. It's good to hear. Folks, I got to go. Awesome. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate it, man. Bye-bye. And wherever you're at on your journey, Pure Desire is here to help create a roadmap for your healing. If you or someone you know is impacted by sexual brokenness or betrayal trauma, go to puredesire.org and let's start the healing journey today. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Each week we put out new content to help you on the road to freedom from the effects of sexual brokenness and betrayal trauma. And lastly, never stop being healthy.